Hello and welcome to Agile Individuals and Interactions, episode 14. Today's topic is the 2020 Scrum Guide, a special edition with Adam Hall. Hello and thank you for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me on again, GA. Again, a very quick intro because there's a previous episode with your slightly fuller intro. <laughs> Tell us quickly what you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm Adam Hall. I'm an agile coach working for a company called And Digital, who like to help uh, teams and companies that are trying to grow their agile ways of working and develop products. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, thanks for joining. And there'll be a few more topics in usual. So what we're going to do today is something go through the chapter headers of the new scrum guide and just have a bit of a chat of what we think about it and what, how it relates to the old one and what the novelties are are we going to change everything we do or are we just going to carry on as nor as normal or something in between yeah starting with uh, overall thoughts <laughs> overall thoughts i like it i like the new guide i like and i like the fact that it's shorter I think there's a hidden message in there about the huge cookie cutter approaches that have been put out uh, in the last 10 years. Like this is agile and it's a huge, a huge process and tool led thing that if you do it properly, you're definitely doing agile. Uh, there's a couple of implementations like that. So I like the fact that they've actually reduced it. And I like the fact that it kind of goes straight to the point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yourself, what do you think? Adam? So, well, I mean, I, I'm completely. They they hinted. Um, I think did they announce around July, August, sometime, and they hinted that the big thing was they were reducing the size. Mm. And I think a lot of people got excited. I know I was very excited. Oh, a new Scrum Guide in only three years after the the previous. But in terms of reducing it, I think what what for me it does is the scrum guide we tend to think of it as this manuscript this this uh rule book for doing scrum correctly but it's not really designed to be the intro to scrum i don't think it's the framework it's the words that they give us to help us understand the right way to do scrum but i don't think beginners come and read this document in its entirety as their first entrance into Scrum. I think they'd normally interacted with Scrum teams or Scrum masters or heard about Agile. And this has actually come to them much, much later. Mm. So, so for the people who are paying attention, this is a big thing. And the people who are paying attention tend to be Scrum masters like yourself and myself. So for us, I think... Uh, seeing it leanified is a good way of the practices we should be doing within our teams and the teams that we help. Oh. Um, you know, let's make it shorter. Let's make it more expressive so that every word contributes. Counts. To, uh, yeah, exactly. It counts. So, yeah, for me, leaning, leanifying is good. And then I understand it's translated into more languages now as a result. 
mm. result of shorter size. And that's true value, isn't it? But I went through the podcast and the podcast, because there's the audio version, which is a podcast. Yeah. And I think it's 25 minutes long. Right. It's sort of, it's, it's read in a sort of a business-like fashion. It's read pretty swiftly, but you can still follow it. Okay. Yeah, so within half an hour, you can get from cover to cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, I like that. Exactly. And I like the conciseness and the leanness, which actually is probably a good point to actually move on to the next section, which is uh, definition theory and values. And putting that together as one section because they're pretty brief. But the thing about definition theory and values it's lean thinking is specifically mentioned in the scrum guide yes i yeah. think for the first time <laughs> cool i mean yeah no i'm, I'm a big believer <laughs> reducing waste which is your which is your second <laughs> second title exactly adam hall agile coach and waste reducer so you know well i mean my, my waste reduction is more the impact to the environment um, but I do think a lot of teams get themselves confused trying to do things in a strictly agile way. And actually, for me, it's like pull things out. So I'm working with a client at the moment who has trouble making decisions on things because uh, there's not the right decision maker in the room. So they keep on inviting more and more people into meetings oh. until a decision is finally made. And you tend to find that decisions go even slower the more you add. And just like this, you know, let's make it about, what's it? Lean thinking reduces waste and focuses on the essentials. That's a beautiful sentence, isn't it? And, and you reminded me of you know, perfectionism is the enemy of getting things done. <laughs> yes. And the friend of procrastination. Yeah. Oh, we haven't got the, the, all the right people in the room. I have gone to business and said, well, whilst you're making a decision, we're going to go ahead with this and I'm raising a risk because, you know, if you <laughs> either that or we stop running or we stop working. And in the end, I essentially say to the development team, OK, what do we do if we have the authority to make decisions and the authority to make the most efficient decision? And then you present that to the business and they thought, oh, they, what they say is, oh, that's what we we're going to do anyway. Oh, great. <laughs> Chance. yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> you give them the lean option and they say oh how efficient that was my idea and i'm like by all means take credit for it as long as we get the thing done and we deliver value and there's also a mention of you know in the initial section that scrum makes visible the efficacy of your system and that i like because i've said you know scrum doesn't fix your problem it just it gives you some ideas. It gives you the pointers. It's up to you to fix your problems. Yeah. yeah. You can't say, oh, we've implemented Scrum. Everything's going to be great. <laughs> and now it's actually written in a, in the guide. You know, Scrum makes visible the efficacy of your current process. I, I haven't you know, memorized the exact sentence. And I like that. But it also says that leaving out any elements or leaving out in any rules or any bits essentially covers up problems. Yeah. Okay. As in what they're saying, you must do all of the things we say here. Yeah. Because if you, right, all okay, of the yeah. artifacts and all of the events must yes. happen. Yeah. Otherwise, like if you're not doing a retrospective or if you're not doing a review, why yeah. are you not doing a review? Oh, because yeah. we've only done technical stories. Okay. So are you, are you delivering value? Yes. And that's, so there you can have the conversation 
because if if you're not doing something, if you're not doing a stand up, there's a, there's a reason you're not doing a stand up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that can start a conversation around, okay, what is the problem we're covering up by not doing a stand up or by not doing a retrospective? And this is the thing they didn't. Well, we'll come on to the events later, but they they didn't change those, but they did change the language around the values and the principles, mm. even though the same values existed. So transparency, inspection and adaptation were all there before. It's just subtle changes in the language that, you know, help help distill what they mean and make it more important. So I like that sentence that you found about uh, showing the effectiveness. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you you know in that initial section of the of the guide? No, I think I mean for me it's just I I love um, you know they didn't change any of the values they didn't change the no. the three pillars of Scrum so if anything the values are nice bold yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> as an agile coach when I'm when I'm teaching teams about Scrum so in the sort of more facilitation sort of role I'm I always start with the values uh, first and the mindset first mm, because mm. the events and the artifacts are things that we can easily do rote, but these are the things that you've got to really embed into your mind to live because mm. those events and those artifacts drive that thinking. So, yeah. Well, put, putting meetings in people's diaries, that's the easy bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's all a scrum master is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, asking three questions a day or maybe not (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah glorified secretary no no but no longer a servant leader either no come to that as well (laughs) by the way the beeps if you hear the beeps it's because i've got a kitchen timer and we are time boxing the individual sections of this so it comes brings us on to the the teams and there is one team right there's one team. I really like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like the the the, the 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 taking away of the hierarchy. There yes. isn't a development team, a product owner, a scrum master. Like we are one team. And anything that struck out to you? Well, I mean, so it's not just that it's a hierarchy. I, I've definitely been in teams where product owner was treated as them and scrum master was a person facilitating and and booking things in the diary and then the development team was the us and the us would talk about oh this oh where's the product owner today or um you know uh we haven't invited the product owner because this is a technical discussion so product owner is them and development team is us but now we're saying no it's the scrum team The the product team is us and that hopefully will change the way that developers in this scenario might might treat their product owner because it can be a very lonely yeah it can be a very lonely job as a product owner i think oh (laughs) yeah what you what you mentioned earlier was that the product owner kind of gets treated as a project manager and then and then ends up behaving like a project manager yes yeah and that's not ideal you know and the Scrum Master becomes the person who puts meetings in people's diaries and does people's admin, which yeah. brings us on to the the servant leader is no longer there. And we yeah. are now true leaders who serve. Personally, I think that's 
comes from a misunderstanding of what servant leadership is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love the the stuff like it motivated me as a scrum master, a servant mm. leader, and not trying to stamp, you know, people's mindsets into one way of working. It's it's sort of helping them. I wonder if this is a backlash of of why language matters. So you know, in the same way that we've got rid of master slave on, you know, technical terms, are we saying that the servant is, you know, this creates a hierarchy that we shouldn't be having? So I'm wondering if the language is the thing that that they were trying to get away from. Servant leadership, it sort of started, it, I can see it starting a conversation, oh, what do you do then? Do you lead people and tell them what to do? Or do you serve people and do their admin? Well, actually, yeah. neither of those two things. Right. Yeah, it, exactly. It's difficult to explain what a servant leader is. And you lead by influence and example and coaching rather than by telling people what to do. Yes. And you exactly. serve by removing impediments and by making space and by giving people everything they need and the trust they need to get the job done. So what 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 term describes that? So, leadership. Like, that's the thing yeah, exactly and, and, but I've, because it's been misunderstood i think that's where the conversation started around shall we change it and hence yeah. the phrasing is the true leader who serves and I, but i do like the fact that then it says it's the, the scrum master they serve the team this way they serve the product owner that way and they serve the organization right scrum masters are true leaders who serve the scrum team and the larger organization mm. so i guess yeah what they're trying to say well i love that they're not saying product owners they're not signaling them out they're just saying the scrum team but they're also saying the the larger organization so mm. they they serve them but they aren't servant leaders they are true leaders so i guess what they're distinguishing here is a true leader maybe serves mm. um that's so true. yeah <laughs> that's true that's the truth yeah it's interesting but yeah it's one of these things where language does matter um but yeah i the fact that they've called out the organization here i guess is quite interesting so a scrum master who's gone uh let's say rogue anti-organization but pro team um yeah that can definitely have damaging effects for an organization who, who's maybe trying to keep tracks and i'm trying to think of this because i don't think scrum teams do just go rogue no but i could imagine if one did it would be a very hard thing for the organization to uh you know uh, justify Mm, mm. I like that section too, that the fact that how the Scrum Master serves the organization, it's good to, to have that piece in. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got to talk about self-managing after self-organizing. It's self-managing now, the team. Yes, yeah. So self-organizing team was the original and we're saying self-managing. And for me, that's, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> so mm. a self-organizing team, it sounds like, the organization, so the company as a whole, can just push things into this team and they will just organize the sequence of the work and mm. get it out done quick, quick as possible because it's agile, you know, be nice and quick. Um, and I much prefer the idea of a self-managing team. It sounds like 
they can choose the work items that go into that backlog and then prioritize it. So it's not just prioritization, it's deciding what sits there. So if that happens as a robot, that I'm happy. I've seen, I've seen teams essentially presented with a roadmap that they had nothing to do with. Yes. Yeah. Like this is a six month roadmap, is it? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and at the end you have the sort of, uh, does everybody agree? And you feel like if you say no, you lose your job. So yeah, exactly. It's already been decided. So it's how much you're agreeing. Not, not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but I like that. Yeah. And, it doesn't take away, you know, the, 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 the leadership of the directors of the company, but it sort of changes the relationship, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing is very quickly I want to mention, Scrum Master is accountable for the Scrum team's effectiveness. I kind of mm. like that. Right, yeah. So um, hopefully the Scrum team is measuring how effective they are, which is velocity, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I caught your sarcasm, but I thought I had to say no because, because yeah, it, it's, it's very empirical. The, the, the team measures their effectiveness. There are various tools. I would, I would, I would use the Agile Manifesto and a, and a traffic light system against that, mm. for want of a better way. But I like the accountabilities yep. in that section. Yeah, exactly. Cool. What's the next part? We've we've next part is the events. Teams, the events. Cool. The event. Right. And here's the bit. And, and the, something I wrote down is that empiricism is more important than burn ups or burn downs or metrics. And there's, I've rephrased it, but the phrase, but I like that. It actually says, you know, you can have burn ups and burn downs and various techniques, but actually, they don't replace empiricism. Right. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my dyslexic hat on. Uh, in fact, I've got my bar humbug hat on. So, ah. whenever I hear the word empiricism, I have to go back and sort of look at it again because it it really isn't uh, embedded in my uh, brain. So when they say empirical, it's based on or concerned with verifiable or by observation or experience rather than theory or mm. pure logic. So we're saying you only get to measure this, you only get to understand what, what Scrum, this Scrum team is doing because you are part of it, not because Agile Coach says that it's good and not because data says it's good. It's mm. the kind of being it, the observing it and experiencing it. Yeah, say, say how empiricism was used again. So it says the print sprint. Okay. So various practices exist to ah, that, yes. progress, like burn-ups and burn-downs and cumulative flows. While proven useful, these do not replace the importance of empiricism. So the importance of experiencing it. It's not just yeah. seeing a burn-up and going, these guys are on track. It's it's understanding the context. In complex environments, what will happen is unknown. Only what has already happened may be used for forward-looking decision-making. That I should have written down because <laughs> uh, traditional project planning is you're literally theorizing what you don't know and what's going to happen in, in exactly 60 days' time. Yeah, and it becomes just boxes on a chart, like yeah. a Gantt chart. On or, a Gantt chart, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It looks like a Gantt chart and it smells like a Gantt chart. It's a Gantt chart. <laughs> so we're still on the vents and the planning. I moving on. Yeah. Is the why and the what and the how. I like the why. So but the one thing that that did change in terms of events is there used to be an event of cancelling a sprint. And now they just say, oh, you could cancel a sprint, it's, but only the product owner can do that. Only so they, the product owner can do it. And in the old, in 2017, there was a whole paragraph of yeah. explaining this is what happens when you cancel and it's very disruptive. <laughs> and it's like, well, you cancel a sprint and the work gets reorganized, gets back into the backlog. I don't think it needs to, it needed to be any more than that. No, exactly. And it's kind of like, I, it goes back to empiricism. Like you only really understand what you need to do depending on what has just happened. So yeah. I don't think the scrum guide can know why you're canceling a sprint. And they just say, only do it if the sprint goal becomes obsolete. And then I guess it's mm. up to the team to decide what well, happens. The well, it's up to the product owner to cancel the sprint yeah. and then up to the team to decide what to do next. Exactly. Uh, it's a know, conversation. Have, have a week of slack days. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or start the new one immediately, yeah. and which is probably what I would suggest. But then that sort of shifts the whole diary, which in theory in an agile organization you should be able to do. <laughs> but don't all the teams start and end on the same day to make the sprint review nice and efficient? And this is the thing. It doesn't say. When I was scrum mastering, sorry, when I was scrum mastering... <laughs> three teams i i staggered it i staggered it so i would not have three retrospectives on the same day okay cool or yeah. three planning sessions on the same day because it just made sense to me to do that and we staggered the stand-ups throughout the day but yeah. coming back to what i was saying earlier the, the planning now has a why right right which is like what value does this sprint bring Yes. Why yes. are we doing this work? In fact, there's a product goal now, not just a sprint goal, but a product goal. But I think now the sprint goal is, has got more importance to some extent because it's like it's part of the planning. Yeah. Prior, prior on the prior example, it wasn't really spelled out. Hmm. That there's three sections to the planning, the why, the what and the how. But I thought in all scrum teams, all we do is we, we plan the tickets and then we look at them and we go, Okay, the sprint goal is do ticket five, six, seven, four, five, six, seven, eight, five, six, seven, nine, and then because there's a bug, we're going to fix that as well. Oh, and all the other bugs that will come in in the next two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear your sarcasm again because <laughs> I think OKRs are going to are going to leap forward because everybody's going to start using OKRs mm. and start asking those questions like, what value does this bring? Why are we doing it? As a yeah. product, and why are we doing it as a sprint? You know, what what are the customers going to get out of this, or what are the stakeholders going to get out of this? Which I think is a really valuable, haha, question to ask because it it helps teams deliver value rather than deliver stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I always take it back to uh, we we changed our sprint goal in a very early team that I I was a scrum master with. Um, it we wrote used to write the sprint goal after we'd planned the sprint. And then we decided to change and we just wrote a single one. Well, no, we tried to write the sprint goal first and we always found we would cram up the sprint with as many things and then have one or two sprint goals. Mm. 
Then we changed that to just a single sprint goal. And it was as small as we could achieve, like what, as small as we could possibly make it before the product owner got very, very nervous. Um, And the outcome of that was we'd deliver everything that we intended to, and we'd have a little bit of slack left over. Now, I know project managers look at that slack and go, this is really bad. I can't, I can't handle the fact that there's some slack in the team. What we filled that slack up with was really planning and understanding the next sprint. So yeah. the next sprint got easier and then the next sprint got easier. And actually it turns out that you have fewer goals. You start moving really quickly. Because that focuses you. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, OKRs, you know, uh, product goals, driving these things, it's going to be much easier. I find it's much easier to be a product owner when you don't have to make many decisions and decide which Tetris block you're going to fit in this last bit of sprint that you're trying to plan yeah. to make sure it suits the Gantt chart that fits the organization goals. Uh, when you're doing that, it's more painful and you have nasty hiccups along the way. You take in less, you lenify, and actually suddenly you have all this slack that, that actually adds value. And ironically, you go faster. Exactly, exactly. And we, we've got to talk about the three questions at stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> which which yeah, are not best. Which were in the 2017 edition, it was like, here's an example, you can ask these three questions. Yes. And everybody took it as, this is what you must do at the stand-up. And it's like, well, you don't have to do There's an example. Now it's been taken out, and I'm, I'm thinking, good. In the name of less prescription and more lean, that was a good thing to get rid of the, the actual mention of the three questions. Yeah, exactly. Self? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's exactly that. And then the other thing they say is the daily scrum isn't the only time the developers are allowed to adjust their plan because... Mm. The worst thing is, is you have this daily stand-up, you ask the three questions, and then you don't talk to your teammates until the next daily stand-up. Like yeah. that, that's sad when you see that uh, in Scrum teams. I like to see the developers pairing, you know, whether it's um, a coder with a tester or a BA, everybody in that Scrum team pairing together or mobbing throughout the day. And the daily Scrum is just, oh yeah, should we actually be formal and talk about the plan again and then go back to working on things based on what's been discussed in the daily. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, and the reduction in size of that description of what is a 15 minute meeting is, it's just great. Like it's half the length. Yeah. I like the the fact that it's concise and to the point throughout the whole. Exactly. uh, Throughout the whole uh, guide, and easier to tr- translate into other <laughs> other languages. I have I have downloaded the Italian one. I've got to give it a read as soon as we you know tomorrow. <laughs> okay, cool. And uh, we were having this conversation about me doing things in Italian as well as in English. Now, anyway, bringing us on to artifacts. Yes. The thing that stands out for me is the commitments. Yeah. The product goal, the sprint goal, and the definition of done. I like it, but I'm also worried about it because when you start using the word commitment, a senior manager will come along and say, oh, you've committed to this. You're doing a scrum. You've committed to this. Right. And that's so what, yeah. what was it before? It was forecast, was it? 
Um, the commitments is new. Right. In the previous guide, I had the definition of done as an artifact. Yes. Rather than a commitment to the increment. Commitment, the sprint goal. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they actually call it out. The sprint goal is now a commitment. Mm. Um, We're committed whereas... to delivering the sprint goal. And if, if you find yourselves behind, you can renegotiate how to deliver the same sprint goal with less stories, etc. Yeah, it's negotiable. And the, the same with the product backlog that has a product goal. I like the idea, but I'm, I'm afraid it might get misused, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think it's one of those things where I'm I'm working with teams and I'm I ask them to commit to less. You know, the, the less you commit to, the more you excel at doing it. Um, you know, I see a lot of organizations talk about, OK, who's responsible for this? And my answer to that is this person might be formally responsible, but but they can't do it because they're committing to too many things. So it's that work in progress limit. It's that sort of um, uh, the more balls that people are given to juggle, the more they drop. And yeah. so you should commit to less. And if this helps people commit to less in their increments, then that's great. But like you say, using the word commitment it implies okay well i know exactly what i'm going to get at the end of this sprint goal and at the end of this quarter yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> at the end of a gantt chart you know and, yeah. and that's what worries me you know at the end of a gantt chart you've committed and again there's a mention of value and i'm quoting a product is a vehicle to deliver value and i really like that yeah yeah um because it's not just a feature that we're delivering. It's actually, and I'll come to it later, but you know, what is value is another, is another debate. Uh, one or more increments per sprint. So the end of the sprint isn't a gate to releasing yes. value. Well, yeah, they go and say the, the moment a product backlog item meets the definition of done, an increment is born I love that. It's, it's yeah. like, yeah, we've got a, a real thing. So go and put it live. Go and get value from it today. Like, don't wait yeah. until the end of the sprint or end of the quarter or and the, the release train. There's also a mention that, you know, the increment must be usable yeah. and valuable. Yes. As opposed to, yeah, we've tested it, but no one can use it yet. <laughs> um, but it's done. Well, not dead. really. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, um, anything else that stands out to you on the artifacts? Uh, no, not on the artifacts. No, exactly. That brings us on to other thoughts. And the thing that stands out to me, apart from the brevity and the conciseness and the, the, the lenity of it, the amount of time the word value is mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's all about value. Uh, two things. One, it's great. And the other thing is it doesn't tell you what value is and yes. deliberately. So you can, you know, they've done that deliberately. Yeah, exactly. So and I... you, the company or the, you know, the team, the extra job of how do we define value? What is valuable to us as a team, as, as a, as a product, as a product, as a company. And right. although it's not explicitly said, 
I, I think there's a huge conversations for to be had around around are we delivering value or are we just pumping out features yeah and it, it, it's really hard to change from pumping out features or pumping out bits of a you know big connect the dot diagram so in organizations where you can't actually get value out and live because there's other things getting in the way and you know a large tangle of dependencies yeah. i still like to work with the team and say well is it valuable knowing for a fact that this does work in your staging environment is there value in um, being able to show to stakeholders because sometimes value okay yes it should always be about customer value but in the absence of that you can still get a proxy for value um, and still the more you try and deliver the value rather than the bits of work that you've completed yeah. the more excited your stakeholders become the more close to being ready and being able to get your first increments out into production so um yeah if we can keep on using that word value and instilling it into the minds of the people who are doing the work yeah. better yeah I also think about the my classic example is the Microsoft Clippy, <laughs> which, for its time, was was a really clever use of artificial intelligence, and they spent ages developing it. But the thing they didn't do was like, how valuable is this going to be to the customer? Yeah, the person using it. And are we just going to crack jokes and switch it off? I, <laughs> I remember this when it came. I left it on because it made me laugh. <laughs> I see. I, I was actually quite young using Microsoft Word, and um, I remember thinking, "Oh gosh, I think I've done this wrong because it hasn't asked me if I'm writing a letter. Therefore, I'm not writing a letter." smartly enough and there so whenever clippy got involved actually i would listen to clippy because it knew more about letter writing than i did at a you know young yeah. teenager age i was more advanced with computers than a lot of the people that i could actually find out information from so actually clippy for me was more intelligent than most people who were teaching me how to use computers at the time because computers were new and mm. well new wish um oh, reminds me when I had an Atari 130XE in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all had that. It's, it's more the sort of like the, the Windows environment. Like we were still testing the water. Yeah, it was new. When it came out, I thought, wow, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I can move this mouse and not have to key up to, to get to the line that I'm trying to type the, the values. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So that was my other thoughts. Anything else that jumped out to you in, in generically speaking? Yeah, I mean, for me, it really is uh, not revolutionary um, and that's good. So what we're, what I think uh, Ken Schwaber and Jeff Sutherland are doing here is saying good looks like very small adjustments, very mm. minor uh, it's taking things out rather than putting more things in. You know, the only major thing they put in was the, the product goal. Mm. And that, like you said, it's kind of like the OKRs. It's having a bigger idea, a mission, a value um, that then distills down into sprint goals. Like, that's good. So 
that's just good behavior of a good organization working in a good way. So if we're going to add it, like only add it if we know it's going to be worthwhile for the teams out there Mm. Um, and everything else. Yeah. Leanify, get rid. Which actually is is, is a good conclusion because it's, I've written down all change, but all the same, you know, this isn't a revolution. It's an evolution. Yeah. And something that came to mind to me today is would a June, would a less mature team veer towards the 2017 guide and with a more mature team move to the 2020 guide? Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Would you use that slightly extra prescribed nature? I'm experimenting in my head here. Would you use that slightly more prescribed nature with a junior team, but then let go of it? Or would you go straight in with the new guide? Um, I would try, I would go straight in with the new one and see what happens. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you know, we we are an organisation who who creates well formed scrum teams that help in in other organisations. So we've got to update all of our training material, not revolutionise it, but sort of adjust it so it so it sits with those those changes, and I'm. You know, we haven't experimented that on a team yet. So we are going to be experimenting in January with our first team um, as that comes about. And I think that's just, it's going to be interesting to watch to see if those people get it quicker or or not. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can't tell you whether, I, I mean, for me, I'm going to try and teach people the 2020 where I can. But I'm probably going to fall into yeah, 2017 habits because I... old habits die hard. <laughs> exactly. Although they're not that old; they're only three years old, really. But uh, no, exactly. Yeah, I like it. Is all I can say overall. I like the conciseness of it, and yeah. I like the fact that it's shorter and it's deliberately so that so they're demonstrating lean by making it shorter. So anyone who's actually uh, doing Scrum certifications. They have, I think, until mid-Jan yeah. or early Jan before they have to answer questions on the new guide, not the old one. Mm. So so I would say to any of the listeners out there who who's, you know, sitting on the PSM1 course, like either get it done now. Either get it or done now. Start huh? reading up on this this new stuff. Now, obviously, the if you haven't got it yet, <laughs> the new guide is available at scrumguys.org and on scrum.org there's also a a page it's a bit like a blog and it's it's called scrum guide 2020 updates if you want to really get into it but it's like there's 47 articles blogs in english and in spanish so really that the the one that i uh, pulled for first was the there's um a website called amazingoutcomes.de that's actually linked to from scrum.org oh and they have a side by side difference of every single paragraph on every single chapter <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for me that's my ex sort of developer hat where i like to look at before and after and compare the change requests <laughs> before I approve it and merge it into the, the master. Yeah. For me, it, I just, I've just read the new guide a few times. Yeah. And I, I did listen to the podcast version 
just to get the auditory experience. Is that um, John Albrecht? Hang on. <laughs> it's on the Agile Wire. Right, Agile Wire. But um, I don't, he's, a, he's a great Agile trainer and coach. He does it deliberately because by actually saying the words out loud, you own them and it becomes part of your psyche yeah so it's a great way to learn for anyone out there who, who has to cram for a course like read the thing out loud. out loud it sounds silly just read it out loud and then now it's yours they're your words um so yeah i know i do that as a big believer in that when i'm memorizing stuff for stage you know, yes yeah exactly and again and again and i record it and I listen to my own. So you have to like. So I've got to the stage where I like my own voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really great, great way of any actors out there, any budding actors, to learn your lines. We're kind of digressing yeah. because we've we've gone through all the topics. But in conclusion, leaner and kind of different, but kind of the same. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of a closer team, hopefully more focused because they have a goal the focus i like that as well well yeah. thank you very much and uh, see you again yeah i'm sure we'll see each other in the new year <laughs>